0: Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You gotta score points to win. You can't win without scoring points.
1: Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives
0: Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q.
1: Efforting and Lincoln Kennedy. We should be joined by him any minute now. Talk about the team. Talk about the bye week and what the attitude should be coming out of the bye next week as they take on the Houston Texans at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, got a couple text messages I wanted to go over before we took a break. Uh, I went to one text that said, "When Adams hears this narrative that we need to learn how to win or not lose or whatever, it probably annoys him. Who's been he's been winning his whole career." And then he followed up after my response and said, I would have assumed I signed up with a team that made the playoffs last year with much less if I were Adams. That's true. That's not wrong. But you do realize that every team is different. And every year is different. You can't always guarantee that just because you were able to do it a year ago is what you're going to be able to do this year. Joining us now on the phone lines and he does it every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 o'clock is our good friend Lincoln Kennedy from the Raiders Radio Network, former Raider offensive lineman, multiple-time Pro Bowler. and Lincoln, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. And We just had a text message about uh, Devontae Adams and when he hears the narrative that the team needs to learn how to win or not lose, that that probably annoys him. What do you think that Devontae Adams thinks when he hears that?
2: I, I'm sure it does annoy him. I mean, because as professionals you just assume that you're in a position to do what needs to be done in order to win football games. The the fact is is that, you know, when 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 I made the statement, this team know, needs to learn how to win together. It's because you have a combination of professionals that have come from all different walks and in all different phases in their life. They need to know, learn how to win together uh, as a team. It, 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 there, there's something special about that. Q. I mean, it's not. It's not just a simplistic thing of just saying, let's just win. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the fact that everyone needs to be accountable for what they do, how they do it, and, 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 and the terms of, and when they do it. And, and that's not something that comes together quite easily, if you, if you ask me. Being a, being a former professional, especially being in a, this position where I had to play on, on a football, the professional football team, it took us a while to learn how to win together. Uh and, and there are certain expectations when you when you think about this team in general, the Raiders, and where they should be. Uh everybody assumes that because they've got certain pieces they should be together. You still have to it's it's a team a team game. Mm-hmm. You have to learn how to win together. That doesn't come easily or simply.
1: Right, and I I agree with that 100%. And, you know, it was kind of going to the point of, well, Devontae's been winning his whole life, so now he's going to be, you know, uh, annoyed and frustrated because he's not winning right now, which I think that's, Lincoln, I think that's any professional, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. The the, the truth of the matter is that, you know, Devontae came from a team with Green Bay that was used to winning, used to owning the Chicago Bears or, you know, whatever, uh, the the division, uh, great games. But at the same point before that, he was at Fresno State. I don't know how many times him and Derek Carr won. I don't know what the, you know, the, the record is overall. But still, that team, even at Fresno State, had to learn to win together. So Devontae you know, needs to put his emotions on the side. He just needs to continue to do what he's been doing as a professional to be the best receiver that he could possibly be. But we also need the best quarterback. We need the best offensive line. We need the best running back. We need the best tight end. We need all of that to come together. Devontae Adams can only control what he can control. That's his game his, and from his perspective. you got to have everyone else. This is why the, it's the greatest team game that's ever been uh, you know, assimilated, uh, football is. you got to have everyone else on the same page.
1: Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So we've seen five weeks of, of action from the Raiders. Obviously, they're one in four. They're on their bye week. Next time they play, it'll be week seven against the Texans. Overall, have you seen uh, a team improvement to feel good about this team moving forward?
2: Uh, that's a loaded question, you. Um I've seen, I've seen enough to be confident that this team can still be good. Okay. I don't know if you can sit there and say there's been an improvement. The fact is is that this team, even after five weeks, still plays inconsistent.
1: Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it it, it does. It's, it was just it was one of those things that you know. Have you seen them look like they're getting closer to where they need to be? I guess that's probably a better way to say it.
2: I'd I, I'd like to hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really, I, I'd like to hope so. I mean, obviously, it gives us something positive to talk about. I mean, there there's enough there's enough for me Q, and Demond to, to say that you know what I'm I'm, I'm not ready to, to to throw up the flag and say let's. Let's work on getting the first pick of the draft. I'm not. I'm not there yet. Okay. I. I. I still think this team has potential. I still think this team can win some football games. I still think this team can somewhat resurrect its season. Uh, but but at the same point, you know the, you know what's 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 disheartening for me, especially as a broadcaster and covering this team, is is the fact that you after six week almost six weeks you haven't seen a level of consistency, of professionalism that you could sit there and say you know what damn, this is a good football team because they have potential to be that. Mm -hmm. It's just unfortunate they haven't played like that.
0: Lincoln, when it comes to the bye week, as coming from a player's perspective, what goes into the bye week? Is it just rest and relaxation? Or if you were on this team, would you already be looking ahead for the Houston Texans during your bye week? If you were on this team, you should be looking ahead.
2: Mm -hmm. You should be looking for the uh, the next outing, the next chance that you can go to prove yourself. There are a lot of guys on this roster that need to prove their value, prove their worth, and prove themselves.
1: What have you thought about – you mentioned earlier on Tuesday, you mentioned that you know in the bye week you take a couple days to get away from football. At what point do you get back in the lab?
2: Uh, it should have been – what is it? What's today, Thursday? It yep. should have been yesterday. So, <laughs> so one day off. <laughs> of That's right, day off. Get back into it. Get back in the lab, get to work. It should have been th- yesterday.
1: Nice, nice. Well, head coach Josh McDaniels talked about three things that the team needs to to identify during the bye week. We talked about it on yesterday's show. One, they have to identify what they do really well. They also have to identify what they don't do great, but they have to keep on working on it to get better. And then something that they need to scrap and just not do it because they just they can't do it right now, and and so it's not even worth trying to do it. Do you? Do, what do they do really well in your opinion, as the broadcaster?
2: <sighs> what do they do really well? I think they and guys, I'm not one on moral victories, right? I'm not one on and, and, you know um, behavior, but you know the, I will say this: I will give them the fact that they play hard. Okay, I, I will give them that, you know, and 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 so I, I say that because they play hard, but not always play collectively smart. Like last week, for example, in the Kansas City game, the the, the mistakes on the defensive side weren't necessarily, you know, mistakes where, you know, like the Cleo Farrell where he got illegal hands of the face or, you know, the Malcolm Kuhlitz where they got the defensive holding, you know, or the Roger Teamer where he also got, you know, a, a face mask towards the end of the game. You know, it's not that, – that's effort. I, I will give them that for effort. Um, it, it's not, you know, the smartest thing. I, I, I'm not saying they, those guys did those things on purpose. Right. It's just those things that, that, that plague the team and so it's really hard when you see guys going out there and giving their all, giving their effort and not trying to necessarily lose the game or mess the team up in a, in a bad place but those 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 mistakes that work against them it's it's you know it's really hard to quantify you know what this team does well, you know and what they're capable of when you see you know small mistakes that cost a team like that
1: Right, and the one I identify was, as of the last couple of weeks, the run game, right? And I think that that gave the yes. team their identity. Like, okay, that is who this team is. We talked about not having an identity. We obviously believe now that that team is a, is a run-first team.
2: Certainly, it should be. I mean, it really should be. I've always thought that, that, that they had the potential to do that. If they can run between the tackles and they can enforce their will between the tackles, that's a good identity to have. Now, my only concern with that is the health of Josh Jacobs. Because you remember in this, this past game, he came out of the game in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. to have that shoulder checked out in the tent. So you got to w- talk about the overall longevity of the health. Now when you talk about the cluster of backs they have behind him, whether it's Brown or you know, or whomever, the, the, the drop-off becomes they're not as good as uh, capable um, you know, uh, running between the tackle or uh, coming, catching out of the backfield. So they're not as complete as Josh Jacobs is. So you got to – there's a give and take with that as well.
1: Right. Now you're right about that, and that's always been one of the question marks when it comes to Josh Jacobs is the health. How many games is he going to give you a season? So far he's been great, but uh, it's a long way to go after this bye week. Again, we're talking with – Got to talk with Lincoln Kennedy here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. Unnecessary roughness. Uh, wanted to ask you just about the the offensive line and when they bring in that that extra offensive lineman. L- last game it was Thayer Mumford kind of play that jumbo tight end role. What do you like or do you like that 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 look when they bring that look in? Oh,
2: of course I like it. The more offensive linemen on the field, the better. On, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm an offensive lineman. It, 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 that's simple. Of course I like it. But, but the thing is, it limits you. It limits you in the play-action game. So if you're doing that and people are going to load the box, you got to have the ability to do the play-action game. Now, obviously the Raiders were able to strike down the field last week with, with uh, against Kansas City, uh, throwing a deep ball, uh, obviously to Devontae Adams. But you've got to have another receiver to complement him because if if defenses want to load the box and they want to double Devontae Adams and try to take him out of the equation, you got to have somebody else stand up. And usually – um, you know, you, you would think whether it's a tight end or an additional receiver, it's got to be somebody who can stretch the field as well.
0: All right, Lincoln, so i got to ask you this. If they're going to keep going with these looks and you say the play-action game, should Thayer Mumford maybe be working on his hands and maybe they yeah. should just run one and, you know, let him go out as a receiver just to keep the defense honest? Man. Let's let's focus on one thing at a time. Right. Let you, right. You, you I
2: say, I say throw, throw, throw it to him. Let's block. He, you know, There's a reason why he was a late-round draft choice. There's a reason why he's an offensive lineman. Just block, son. I don't want you to think about receiving. I don't want you to think about the pop pass. I don't want you to think about going out for any type of routes. I don't want you to go in motion. I want you to just block. <laughs> I want you to perfect that first. Before we work on another adjustment, I a, agree. A, another
1: adjustment. Agreed, one hundred percent. Demond trying to get this man. You sending him up for failure, man. Just block, exactly, baby. That's exactly. that's what we just need. Just there, muffler the <laughs> to do. Just block, baby. Uh, Lincoln Nate Hobbs. He he uh, got banged up in uh, on Monday night. Broke his hand or broke bones in his hand. Uh, he had that that club that he was playing with, and he put to Twitter and Instagram that he's still going to be out there playing. He's good to go. But how difficult is that going to be for him to play that corner position with the wrap on?
2: Very difficult because it's going to d- be difficult to play press to be able to put your hands on people. Uh, more importantly, you're probably going to have coaching staff try to pick on the receiver that he's covering. Look, trust me when I tell you this, guys. I really appreciate and love Nate Hobbs. I, I do, I-, I do, because the effort that he's shown as a professional, and I appreciate it out there. But there's limitations when you don't have all the the tools that you that are necessity for you to perform. When you don't have that at, at-, at your, you know. At- at- at your ability, there are going to be people who are going to pick on you. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be teams that are going to pick on him, especially when he's covering receivers.
1: And that's kind of what it looked like happened on Monday night when, in my opinion, Nate yeah. had probably the, I guess, maybe the worst game he's had so far.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I would say the worst game that he's had, but I, I said there, there's limitations. There are, there are facts factor when their guys want to go out there and be out there, but they're just not – Healthy enough to be able to be right. capable of what they do. That's that's the
1: tough part. Yeah, no, it, it really is. Again, we're talking with Lincoln Kennedy here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. Earlier today, we had your uh, your former teammate Tim Brown, the Hall of Famer, on the show, and uh, he had put out a tweet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He had put out a tweet saying that uh, you know, hey, we went, we won four in a row, then we lost four in a row, and then we ended up going to the Super Bowl. Not saying that this team is going to do that, but do you understand where Tim's coming from when he puts that tweet out?
2: I, I feel very similar. Like I said earlier in the interview, I don't, I'm not giving up on this team and this ability because I, I, I've seen times where they're damn good on, on both sides of the ball. It's just been inconsistencies. Um, so I'm not ready to give up hope on this team right now. I know it's uh, you know abysmal one and four, um, and they're you know they're at the bottom of the rung of the, in the AFC. I understand that, and when you watch football collectively. The AFC is very competitive. There's a lot of good football teams out there. Um, but at the same point it's 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 just when you I, I've seen flashes of this team that says, Damn, they're really, really, really good. And then I've seen flashes of the team like, what the hell are they doing? So it's a combination of coaching. It's a combination of playing. It's a combination of just being out there collectively. But I I, I do, I'm not giving up hope on this team, guys.
1: You know, it's so funny, Lincoln. I said at the beginning of the show, I said, man, this is the best one in four team out there. And I said, and it's stupid to say best one in four team because you are what your record says. But with the talent that they have, to me, it feels like this one in four is different than other teams one in four, if you know what I mean.
2: There is a huge hole they have to climb themselves out of. There's no doubt of it. But I still think they can be I still think they can be one of those, those teams that that are that are around that can that can be productive and that can win football games.
0: All right, Lincoln, last one for you. I just gotta ask you this. Travis and Jason Kelsey, they have a podcast and they were talking about the hardest position to play in the NFL. And Jason Kelsey, he mentioned that it's gotta be cornerback. It's so hard, they don't even let white people play the position anymore. <laughs> Do you remember the last what? white cornerback you saw in the NFL? Jason Seahorn. Wow! Exactly.
2: <laughs> um, I, I mean, there, there's probably not, not a lot I can't think of it, but yeah, <laughs> that is funny. Uh, um, uh, you know, I don't—I I never looked at it looked at it that way. So <laughs> that was so random. So random. <laughs> You never know, Lincoln.
1: You never know where Damon's going to come from, what angle he's going to he's going to search from. But uh okay. I didn't think I'd ever be talking about Jason Seahorn on the show, but here we are. So, wow. That was fantastic. Well, Lincoln, I'm going to let you go on that note, man. I got to let it go on that note. Thank you so much for your time as always. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week.
2: Best thing I can say is that Jason Seahorn did marry the actress, what is Angela Harmon, whatever her name was. Yeah. She was she was quite a cutie on Law and Order. That's all I remember from. So he did something right.
1: There you go. There you go. <laughs> Appreciate you, Lincoln. Sounds good, guys. I'll talk to you later. There right. he goes. Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders Radio Network, former Raider offensive lineman, pro bowler, Tamon. Where the hell did that come from?
0: I just wanted to get Lincoln's take on it. I wanted to <laughs> he's seen a lot of football. I just had just no the-
1: idea how you even put those guys together with Lincoln, with Jason Seahorn, or any that's that was funny. That was random. That was so random. Like, I mean, that was that was next level random. Like you're the guy that just comes out of the conversation out of nowhere. You know, like we could be talking about football, and all of a sudden you come in and it's like, hey. So it's, it's, it's raining outside. Or some, I mean, it's just something random. like
0: That's a football question. Lincoln watches a lot of football, does a lot of tape study. Lincoln, who's the last white cornerback you've seen in the but league?
1: But why? That's what I'm like, why? Why is that even a question? Like, what is that, How does that pertain to the conversation?
0: It was a hot button issue today. <laughs> With who? The league, you know, just around.
1: No, it wasn't. There was no one in the league talking about that today. They were talking about Daniel Snyder today. <laughs> Nobody in the league was talking about that.
0: In certain circles.
1: What circle are you in? Cause I want to make sure I'm not. <laughs> I don't
0: understand.
1: I'm so confused. You know what
0: popped up in my head? Because we were talking about Nate Hobbs and how hard it's gonna be for him to play corner with the with with essentially a cast on. Okay. And then I was just like, man. So you <laughs> so you
1: took Nate Hobbs with a cast on his hand to hey, I wonder when the last great white corner was. Yeah, because <laughs>
0: I'm just saying, two NFL players were talking about it. Which the hardest position to play? And it's going to be even harder for Nate Hobbs to play corner with the cast on. All right. I can connect the dots.
1: I, I know you can. I'm not. I'm not. I'm nowhere near that, that dot connecting ability. I'm not that good. <laughs> I'm just not. That was. Uh, hey, man, that's why you are DeMond. Because you're able to. You're able to go and, and connect those dots. Well, let me tell you. Let me pass this news on before we take a break. And God, do we need a break. Mad Max Cosby is officially a father. Ella Rose Crosby is officially born. Max Crosby just tweeted out uh the the weight, eight pounds, four ounces. Uh I forget what this thing is called. I should know. I've been there enough times to know, but anyway, it's a it's a picture of the basically the scale and the the temperature, all that, heater power, all that good stuff. So There you go. Congratulations to Max Crosby. Congratulations to Rachel on the birth of their baby girl. Eight pounds, four ounces. Again, he said, welcome Ella Rose Crosby to the world. 420 is the time. Boy, do we need a break. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio.
1: In just a few minutes, we'll hear from Vinny Bonsignor from the morning tailgate here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Also, the R.J., the Las Vegas Review Journal, does a fantastic job with both. We'll hear from Vinny coming up in a few minutes. Want to get to your calls and texts, though, at 702-365-9200. Jerome, Rome Rome in the house. Welcome to the show, Jerome. Denied. How's that comment that you made? I just talked to him. Just talked to him? He's, he's, he's not he's not feeling you anymore. He's like, I don't even want to talk to Demon. Demon just took it to a whole other level. Sorry, we got our uh, we got another guy. Raider Fish in Berkeley. Welcome to the show.
0: No more Raider Fish in Berkeley either. What are you
1: doing over there? Hey, man. What are you doing, man?
0: I tell these guys, hey, we're gonna come back and break. We're gonna get you on.
1: I think that you're sabotaging the show. I, no, no, I think you're sabotaging so. the show. I mean, it's I think it's it's a it's not a coincidence all
0: of a sudden that you're over there on that side of things and all of a sudden everyone's hanging up on us. No, Raider Fish in Berkeley, he did text in. Maybe he was like he he knew that he had to leave on the phone line, so that's why he decided to text in. Okay, so what do you say? All right, this is Raider Fish in Berkeley. DeMond's question about a cornerback. Mike Fury, Cleveland Browns. Okay?
1: All right, there you go. Never heard of him. <laughs> I do remember Jason Seahorn. He was really good. Matter of fact, Robin Oakland hit us up six nine one eight seven keyword R r So funny how this became a subject. If I remember correctly, Jason Seahorn tore his ACL returned to kickoff in preseason game. It's a tough league. I, yeah, I remember him tearing his ACL. I didn't know that it was I can't remember it being a preseason game, but you're probably right. Uh, I do remember him tearing his ACL, and he he was good. Jason Seahorn was really good. Played for those old uh, Giants teams. Uh, I don't know if he played for another team or not, but I remember him with the when he was with the Giants. But it's a shame that this is the this is a, <laughs> the angle that this conversation has gone. Damon listening to what podcast did you you get this information off of? Uh, this is Jason
0: Kelsey and Travis Kelsey's podcast they have together. There you go. That's what happens. New Heights. No, I I don't care. <laughs>
1: oh, well, you, you asked, huh? I did, I did, I asked. So I set myself up yep. for failure. You're right. You no doubt about that. Um, what else did we get? Uh, got a text from a uh, infamous Raider in Newman, Georgia. Hey, Q, how about my Houston Astros, baby? That's right. They won again today. They're up two zero in the ALDS. Definitely believe that they're going to keep uh, marching on. Think that they'll end up in the uh, in, in the World Series when it's all said and done. If you're if you want me to be honest. Speaking of baseball, how about the goose on the field last night? Did you see that? I did see that. That was awesome. Did you see it when it happened, or did you see like the replay?
0: No, I was watching the game live. I was oh, so, that was awesome! I, I first said a duck because my friend he said, "What's that?" And I was like, "Looks like a duck."
1: Man, that was a big fat duck. If it was a, that <laughs> was a goose, man. because I, I, I didn't realize exactly what it was, but I looked at the at the screen. I was at the house working on something, and the TV's right there. And I looked up, and I go, "Wow, that's a large bird." <laughs> like I was like, "That's a large bird." And then someone said it was a duck, and I was like, "That ain't no duck, man. I ain't seen no duck that looked like that." And then realized immediately it was a goose, and I was like, "Man, that's fantastic." And then the fact that the thing just sat there and chilled. And, like, the umpire was like, the hell with it. I ain't messing with it. I thought someone was going to go out and get it. And then I felt bad. I was like, oh, man, someone's going to hit the ball and it's going to drill this this goose and it's going to blow the thing up like the pigeon that got blown up from Randy Johnson. You remember that back in the day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was going to happen, but luckily it didn't happen. But then they, you know, during the commercial break, I guess it flew all the way over to third base. And then the people came out and, like, Grabbed it with a towel and threw it in a trash can and got it. I was like, what are you doing? You didn't see that? I did not see when all that. When they removed the goose from the field, they actually grabbed it with a Gatorade towel, threw it into the—it's like they have to stay on brand, right? Make sure we get make sure we get the logo. Gatorade, they sponsored this goose removal. But, yeah, they went and grabbed it, threw it in the—it looked like a recycled trash can. It was all blue. And, boom, they were out of there.
0: Did the goose ever—did it ever stand up? Because I know that geese are tall— when it flew. It.
1: Oh, okay. It flew. It, it, made, his, man, it made his legs kind of dangle back. It was It was kind of crazy looking. But it was cool. Like, I don't think I'd have been the guy. Like, if I had been on the field, I'd have been like, man, I ain't going near that thing. Because so I, I don't know if that thing's going to attack.
0: What animal are you brave enough to? Like, if that's on the field, everybody stand back. I got this. Um, I'm really good at insect removal. You
1: mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, at the house, when insects come in the house, I'm usually that guy. Johnny on the spot. Any kind of thing like that I'm good at, but once they become a certain size, it's like, no, I'm good, man. It's not my it's not my bag. I will say this, I got angry one time at the wife. I got so angry at the my wife, Devon. So angry. I was doing my show on ESPN Central Texas. No joke. I was on the air from twelve to three. She had gone home from 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 uh, work for lunch, right? So it's like one. My segment. I only had a segment because I was, you know, I was just a co host of the show. I had my own segment called Cover 3, all NFL news, which we do every once every six months around here, but whatever. Uh, so it was coming up at 1, and at 12.55, she texted me. I was like, there's a snake on the window. I need you to come home and get it. I was like, I got two hours before the show's over. She's like, I, don't, I'm, I, I can't get in the house. I want to get in the house, and I can't because there's a snake on the window. And so I was, you know me, I was hot. It was about 12.55. I was like, we went to commercial, and they're like, Cover 3 is up next. I was like, no, it's not. What? I have to go home. This is the most unlike Q thing I've ever heard. I know. But when there's a snake on the window, what are you supposed to do? I was so hot. I was so angry. I slammed my headphones down. I reluctantly left. Luckily, we didn't live far from the the station. Like, if this happened here, where we live, I live about 25 minutes from here, there would have been no way I made it home. She'd have been on her own. But I was like five minutes away from the station. So I was like, all right, here I come. And I get there. And literally, the snake was going up the window. And so what's your natural instinct when there's something like that? You want to just, like, smash it, right? Well, it's going up our window, so I can't smash it because I'm going to break the window. So I'm trying to be really careful. I'm also trying not to mess with a snake too much, right? So I'm in this bad predicament, man. Plus, I'm trying to get back to, to the radio show because that's all that really matters. But I don't want this snake on the window because then what if I let it go and it gets in the house and later on, you know, can you imagine her waking up at like 2 in the morning, having to go to the bathroom, there's a snake on the floor, and it's my fault? I really would have had to hear about it. So at that time, you know, we said, that's when I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> at that time, I knew I was going to make a decision. So I said, all right, I'm just going to get this damn snake off the window and mm-hmm. get back to work. Luckily, across the street, it was at Mr. Olsen's house. There was a, he had a truck and had a bunch of tools on the back of it. So I went and grabbed a tool off the back of Mr. Olsen's truck, of course. B- walked back, flipped that thing off the window, and thing flew. <laughs> and then I grabbed the shovel, and I started beating the hell out of that damn snake whoa, with the whoa, shovel. Whoa. No, I did. I did. I beat the hell out of it because I was angry at it because it made me miss my show. So by the time I chopped that thing's neck off, I said, all right, now I'm out. The thing's dead. I'm gone. And so she put it in a little, uh, like, a, a jar, and she delivered it to the job or she, whatever she did because, you know, she wanted everyone to know that I really went on a rescue mission. But that was not one of my finer moments.
0: Cue the barbarian. Hey, look, man! You messed with my
1: show, man. It's problems. <laughs> we got Vinny now. Yeah, we do. Okay, <laughs> Vinny Bonsignore joins us from the morning tailgate. I bet you he ain't been no snake, uh, no snake killer or whatever he had to do. Have you ever seen? We were talking about the goose that landed on the field last night. Have you ever seen that scenario before, Vinny?
3: Uh, I, I encountered a snake in my bath on my bathroom floor. Um, oh earlier this summer. So yeah. Uh, and immediately afterwards, now we have like three shovels that are, that are strategically placed, uh, in the house. We've got snake killer that I put in the backyard. So yeah. Um, that's, it was early, it was like five o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, wait a minute, that looks like a snake on the bottom of in my bathroom. So wow, was, we were able to get it out somehow, some way I, I had a shoe and I was just Hounding <laughs> in that thing, man. And it was like, you know, probably a harmless snake, but you see snakes, I freak out, man. I don't like snakes whatsoever.
1: No, no, man. I mean, snakes, they didn't even know their own territory, man. And in your bathroom at 5 a.m. is not it,
3: right? Right, exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, well, they're not venomous. How do you know? Like, I don't, right. I'm not taking that chance. Like, I'm not like some snake expert that can tell by the look of it, you know whether this is a good one or a bad one. To me, they're all bad.
1: Right? Exactly. Yeah, I'm with you, 100%. Man, I don't give a damn if that thing's a snake. It's an enemy of mine. Right? Exactly. We are not on the same team. So there you right. go. There's there's our animal, our animal, uh, our animal yeah. conversations. But did you see that that play last night or not the play? But did you see the goose on the field last night at Dodger Stadium?
3: Yes, I did. I'm still kind of trying to figure out how that all came about, but um, it was, hey, we see birds at Allegiant Stadium. They somehow yep. some way uh, get in there, so uh, those things could be little cagey uh, animals and figure out ways to to make their presence known, so uh, that, it was pretty cool, too, to be honest with you.
1: I, it was. I, I I found it to be fascinating, but that, so anyway, so long story short, that's how we got on the conversation of the <laughs> snake that I had to kill from the window at my house in Central Texas. Luckily, I haven't had to encounter any snakes here uh, in the Las Vegas area, but Vinny, let's get, to, let's get down to what really matters, and that's the silver and Black. They're on their bye yeah. week right now. They're 1-4. in Where, When you look at this team through five weeks, you've seen five games. You've been at every single one of them. Where does this team need the most improvement at?
3: Consistency uh, and just kind of closing out games. It's, it's, it's really interesting because one of our listeners, I know uh, Sashi listens to your show too, mm-hmm. but he pointed something out to me um, over on uh, the ESPN Power Index. And if you go – If you click on the Raiders page and you go to the left column and it has their remaining schedule, the results from the previous five games, and the remaining schedule, and every time you click on each individual game, it'll give you um, a predictor, you know, uh, by percentage who they think is going to win the next game, and so on and so forth. 11 out of the next 12 games, and you can check it yourself, because I did this morning. At 11 of the next 12 games, the Raver, Raiders are, are favored favored uh, to win by this ESPN Power Index, and we know that they it's it's a computer that spits all this out. Right. So um, there's no bias there. There's no preconceived notions or anything like that. And I found that pretty interesting because number one, when was the last time the Raiders were ever favored in 11 of their next 12 games? Right. Number two, when do you think, if ever, a one and four team was looking at, uh, you know, a win probability of, you know, 11 of the next 12 games. But it tells me something that I think that we're seeing it. It's not being reflected yet in terms of the record, but I think the numbers are suggesting and everything, all the information that they put into doing all that are suggesting and is suggesting that this team is better than the record indicates. And if there's some things that get tightened up, cleaning up, you know, some efficiency issues, closing games, uh, making the right play at the right time, uh, this team has a chance to go on a, a, a pretty nice winning streak and at least put themselves in position to make a run for the playoffs uh, come December.
1: No, they can. They've just got to win one at a time, you know. And mm-hmm. obviously, the next game up is the Houston Texans Week Seven at Allegiant Stadium, a very winnable game. But if you don't, you know, go in there and operate and, and play all four quarters, a very ga- a game you can very well lose, right? I mean, so they've got to they got to make sure that they're on point each and every game. But uh, we asked uh, Lincoln Kennedy this. I asked Tim Brown this earlier. Are you seeing enough improvement, like each and every game? Are you starting to see the improvement where you're saying, "Okay, they're that close. They just aren't there yet."
3: Yeah, uh, I thought they played their best full game, complete game of the season against the Kansas City Chiefs. I know that's odd to say because in the second half they got outscored, but but I felt like for four quarters they were battling, for four quarters they were playing good football. Now there were some penalty issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I counted ten that were called uh, after the uh, now infamous. Uh, Roughing the passer call was called against the Raiders, and we were sitting up in the press box watching Andy Reid do his thing with the referees and uh, how that stadium kind of erupted and the angry way that uh, the angry um atmosphere that it created we were like okay what's this going to mean for raider penalties in the second half well we saw that um there were 10 called on the on the raiders right after from you know immediately after that uh, penalty was called so i felt like some of that was working against uh, the raiders you don't expect that to be a major case moving forward uh, but i have seen progress i like the offensive identity that they're kind of creating for themselves you know they went to 21 personnel a lot on monday night and they just out-physicalled a smaller ken City Chiefs defense, and they're going to face a lot of defenses that are kind of in that same predicament. The way defenses are constructed nowadays, being more, um, you know, a little bit smaller to keep up with, you know, spreading it out and having linebackers defend, uh, you know, running backs and, and tight ends and pass coverage. Well, that could work to an offense's, uh, um, you know, favor if you battle that back or respond to that with power, and that's what the Raiders have done the last two weeks, and it really worked against Kansas City, and I'm wondering if they've drawn up a little bit of a recipe that they can kind of hang their hat on moving forward.
1: Talking right now with Vinny Bonsignor from uh, the Morning Tailgate here on Raider Nation Radio 920, of course, also writes for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, does a fantastic job with both. As far as uh, what you see from this team, and especially on the offensive line, we know that that's been a work in progress, but the last couple of games we've seen them employ that uh, that sixth offensively offensive lineman, that, that blocking tied in, and last week it was uh, Thayer Munford. He was out there. Uh, do you think we're going to see a lot more of that moving forward?
3: Well, um, I think once Foster Moreau comes back, it might change it a little bit, but I, I personally think they found something uh, in doing that. Um, it's an added body. It's an added big body. Uh, that they feel like gives them advantage against some of those smaller defenses, just pound and ground. And then you saw what happened once they were able to establish that run. Even though I think it was the second drive of the game, um, you know the, the Kansas City Chiefs were well aware of, of uh, how physical the Raiders were playing up front and the physical nature that Josh Jacobs was running with. Guess what happens? Devonte Adams springs free uh, on the back end for a long touchdown pass, one of two that he had. And when you think about his impact, and I think how the Raiders utilized him after they were able to establish the run game, you know, he had three catches or so for a hundred and some odd yards, but think about the penalty yards that he also induced um, on the two, you know, PIs down the field. Those don't get accredited for him, but if you add those yards in, he was close to, you know, 170, 200 yards uh, in receiving uh, on Monday night, and that's, a lot of it is, A, he's really good, uh, and B, he and, you know, uh, Derek Carr are developing a, a real good chemistry right now, but C, how they're playing the run, uh, the Raiders, and how they're utilizing the run, and, and and making teams honor it uh, to help Devontae downfield.
0: Vinny, when it comes to this team's defense, Nate Hobbs is a big part of that, and we know that he's got a broken bone or two in his hand. How effective do you think he's going to be going forward, and do you think the Raiders have a contingency plan on a player to replace him moving up from the practice squad, or maybe they should go out and sign a free agent just in case?
3: Well, um, I, you know, I think they like you. First of all, Anthony Averitt might be coming back. Uh, he's kind of due um, to maybe come back from that injured reserve lift. Here pretty soon. I know that he's eligible. We'll see where, where, where his uh, injury is coming off the bye week. So I think they have some in-house options, although you never can replace a great player like Nate Hobbs. There's one Nate Hobbs out there, uh, and the Raiders got him, and they need him uh, moving forward. But certainly they can't risk him getting um, you know, further hurt by overdoing it with that hand, knowing him. He's going to fight you tooth and nail because he's going to want to be out there. He showed that toughness. Uh, on Monday, coming back into that game when, you know, you hear what the injury was, and you're like, ah, he's probably not coming back. Well, lo and behold, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's Hobbs back out Did I, is it, Yeah, that's Nate back out there. So it was a surprise to me, pleasantly for everyone else, I'm sure, Raider Nation and the coaches. Um, So, you know, we'll see. They got an extra week, obviously, with the bye week uh, to see where he is physically with the hand coming uh, up against the Houston um, uh, Texans. But I don't think they're going to push it. If he feels like he can play through that pain and the doctors tell him, look, you're not really in risk of further hurting it, I I would imagine he's going to be out there.
1: Vinny Bonsignor is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So as far as this bye week goes, it's crazy because the game was on Monday, so this bye week is actually almost over. They'll be preparing for the Texans uh, come Monday. But what do the Raiders need to get done, in your opinion?
3: you know, here's the thing that, that is, is a little bit troublesome for me. I think offensively, they're finding their way. They're eighth in the league in scoring, and that's still with some issues, you know, in the red zone, which I think, you know, they got to get that um, you know, on uh, track a little bit more. I think running in the red zone, being able to run is definitely going to help uh, along those lines. Also, scoring explosive touchdowns. They were one of one. They scored 30, you know, 29 points uh, and, and were only in the red zone one time. That tells you that they were hitting some long ones, and they need to do that. So, uh, I I I like where they are uh, offensively. Defensively, I think they're 28th right right now in the league in points, giving up 26 points per game. I feel like the Raiders' defense is better than that, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't know how they're going to be able to, um, you know, get that below. I'd say, you know, even if they could get it to 21 points a game, I think they're going to be in pretty decent shape. And I think they've got the personnel to do it, and I think they've got the right man in charge uh, in Patrick Graham to do it. Uh, but they just need to play more consistent football. Uh, That's another area of the team where consistency has been elusive for them. They'll put together, you know, a dominant quarter, a dominant half, but then all of a sudden you're like, where did all that go? Uh, And, you know, granted, you have to sometimes tip your cap. The Raiders were in Patrick Mahomes' face. He was making plays... Um, in the face of a lot of pressure, if the Raiders' defense can play that way, get that kind of pressure consistently on the quarterbacks that they're going to face moving forward, I think it'll look a lot, a lot different than it does against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So maybe just keeping up the pressure that they were able to generate, um, you know, consistently for four quarters against the Chiefs, and you're eventually going to get your sacks, and you're going to eventually force lesser quarterbacks into some mistakes and bad plays. So uh, that, to me, is something that they need to figure out how to consistently get quarterback pressure uh and Chandler Jones goes a long way uh, toward that I, I think he's played two pretty good football games uh in these last two ones in particular the Chiefs game where he was really active uh, early on uh but just kind of maintaining that for four quarters is, is something that they've got to get
1: from him Vinny how concerned are you with Darren Waller and his injuries it seems like he's just not getting off to the start that he needs to and now just banged up again with the hamstring
3: Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I'm suspecting it's the same hamstring that he was dealing with uh, in training camp. And what we always try to tell people, like, look, this is a real situation. And, you know, hamstrings can be really, really tricky. You know, you think about the explosiveness, um, you know, the pivoting, the driving off your leg, having to jump and leap and do block, everything that a tight end has to do, especially a tight end that's as good as, um, you know, Darren Waller is, you need your legs, man. That is a key part of all of this. And it's not a hand injury. It's not a finger injury. It's not a shoulder injury. Uh, it's where he gets his power, where he gets his speed, where he gets his velocity, all of those things. And I have a feeling, Q, uh, maybe you think otherwise, but I have a feeling this is something that he's been dealing with for a little while now. Um, and I think it kind of triggered on Monday. Um, and that's why he couldn't play anymore uh, in that game. But but now thinking about it, you wonder, you know, how much has this been a factor uh, over these first five games, just in terms of him not being 100% Darrell Waller?
1: Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's concerning because you know how good he could be when he's right and he's just not right and he hasn't looked like he's been right All season long, again, Vinny Bonsignor is our guest. You can find him on the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. with Clay Baker and Heidi Fang. Also, all his work is on the Review Journal. You can find him on Twitter at Vinny Bonsignor. Uh, Vinny, as far as Hunter Renfro goes, fantastic year last year. He was the main guy this year. Obviously, he's not. Devontae Adams is there. Waller's there. He's there. He hasn't really got off on track either. Uh, How long do you think it's going to take for Hunter to get back, especially since he missed a couple weeks due to concussion?
3: Yeah, and those were two uh, important weeks because, you know, you are talking about a new system and a new coaching staff and uh, all of those things, and that got stunted a little bit, you know, his progress in this offense. I got to figure this coaching staff is too smart. Hunter Renfro is too good. Uh, He's too reliable to Derek Carr. Derek Carr thinks too highly of him. For for it not to start working out uh, a little bit more, Uh, and maybe that's kind of a blessing in disguise because um, I don't think there's any question that we can say, oh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Hunter's been having a great year. He hasn't. He hasn't. He's been a blip uh, on the screen right now and flying way under the radar. Part of that was the injuries. Part of that was trying to get him uh, involved in this offense. You got to figure they're going to figure it out. Uh, and when they do, how much does that help the whole offensive operation? So uh, I would think that they're going to get something um, you know, working for him and maybe get him involved a little bit early on in games and get him into some comfort zones uh, because he's too important for this team uh, to be marginalized the way he kind of has so far this, these first five weeks.
0: Vinny, another receiver that I wanted to ask you about that's flying a little bit under the radar is Tyron Johnson. He got weighed but the team brought him back immediately. Do you think that there's going to be any plans for the Raiders to bring him up to the active roster or is he just a guy that knows the system and he's just going to be on the practice squad in a break of glass in case of emergency type of a player?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I have a lot of questions about about the Tyron uh, Johnson situation and and like why he hasn't been able to break through yet. Not even didn't even have to be like a major role. We all knew that, you know, he's the fourth-fifth wide receiver when he was on the active roster. It's not like he was going to get major play. We, everyone understands that, but like zero play, no real um, you know, uh, 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 you know, situations where you can get him out there and, and draw some plays up for him specifically and maybe take advantage of the speed. And, you know, you wonder sometimes, okay, why is that? And, you know, Q, you know this, you know, coaches will always tell you, hey, players will decide when they get on the field yep. or not, or when they earn their next shot or when they earn a bigger shot, uh, a more right. volume of things. And so and I don't know this to be the case or not, but there's something that Tyron has not shown this coaching staff enough of, Uh, to get him out on the field more often. And right now, now he has to work his way back up from the practice squad. He's got the talent. We saw that uh, in training camp. But so far, uh, through the first month or so of the season, um, he hasn't been able able to to crack the code yet in order to get on the field. And it looks like they're going to give some other guys a little bit of an opportunity in the meantime.
1: You know, Vinny, we were out there every day at training camp. We were out there every day for practice the whole time. And we saw T. Billy. We saw the opportunity that he had and and the speed. And, you know, every time the ball didn't come to him, he said, hey, I can't. I can't throw you the ball myself, but to me, and this is just my theory, it feels like he never connected with Derek Carr in training camp. Did you get a sense of that as well?
3: Yeah, um, definitely. And then there were um, I, I forget what game it was, but there was a drop or two. I think it was in the preseason. It might have been in the mm-hmm. preseason. It uh, might have been that first game. It was. Uh, yep. Yeah, right? In Canton. Um, somewhere along the line, I, I remember him, You know, and that wasn't even Derek to throw it into him, so can't, right. can't put him in that category, but you know, you got. That's it's why you have to take advantage mm-hmm. of every opportunity uh, to show what you're capable of. I mean, the minute there's any doubt, and I'm not saying this is the case, right. but it could be, um, you know. Uh, and, and like you said, we saw so many times where he would run down the field in training camp and come mm-hmm. walking back, kind of looking over at us a lot of times, and, saying, hey, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm down there and I'm not getting the ball. I can't throw it to myself. So, um, you wonder if, if, like you said, there's, there's just a little bit of a lack of communication or chemistry between he and Derek. And, and like I said, right now, uh, he's got to take the practice route, uh, back up to the big squad. And, uh, you know, things have a, have a way of sometimes circling back. So as long as he bides his time and does the right thing in the classroom and on the practice field, um, the, the, the point of emphasis being, when when his time comes, or when his when his number gets called, if it gets called, he's got to be ready, and he's got to be ready to seize that moment.
1: Vinny, we'll close out with this, and I know it sounds silly. Uh, the best one in four team in the NFL. You got the Texans, the Steelers, the Washington team, Detroit, the Panthers, and you got the Raiders. It seems to me that it's clear cut. There's no doubt it's the Raiders.
3: Yeah, and I go back to that, to that ESPN power index. They've got them, you know, uh, favored in 11 of the next 12 games. The only game that they're not favored in is against the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think that's the season ender. Yeah. Uh, and that includes some pretty good teams, um, you know, the Chargers right. uh, when they visit Allegiant Stadium. So that thing changes on a week-to-week basis, so we'll see if that remains the case throughout. But as of right now, that's how ESPN is looking at them. This is a pretty darn good team that just hasn't, been able to reflect how good they are record-wise. But I'll say this. Um, somebody pointed out this t- on the morning show today. You know, the Philadelphia Eagles were 2-5 and five at some point last year, and then 3-6. and six. And then they made it to the playoffs, and they've been flying high ever since, uh, really. So I see some similarities um, in, you know, they had a new coach, they had a new system, they had a defensive coordinator. It took them a little while, the Eagles, to kind of find their way. But once they did, um, they were rolling pretty good. And I have a feeling that the Raiders, at some point, are going to find a way to close these deals, uh, especially with this kind of a weaker part of their schedule coming up. Uh, and the desperation that they're going to uh, approach those games with, that they're going to be able to get themselves right and get themselves in position uh, to make a run um, for the playoffs in, in December.
1: Well, I hope they start closing a deal, and they start closing a deal on uh, week seven against the Texans. <laughs>
3: right. There you go. They should. That's a game that they should win, and probably decisively.
1: No doubt. No doubt about it. Well, are you out today? Are you out and about today? And and, and if you are, where are you at? Yep, we're
3: over at the Rockstar Bar & Grill today, starting around uh 6 o'clock. We're going to okay. be watching some, uh, some football and, and getting after it and having some fun. So if you're nearby, come on back.
1: There it is right there. Well, Vinny, appreciate you as always, my man. Enjoy the show, and well, enjoy what you're doing tonight, and then enjoy the show in the morning, man. I appreciate all your efforts. Awesome. Likewise, brother. All right. There he goes. Vinny Bonsignor, fantastic job on the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. with Clay Baker and also the Las Vegas Review Journal. All his work is up there at Vinny Bonsignor on Twitter as well. 4.50 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Come on back. Close out the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio.
1: And here we are to wrap up the show. It's been fun. It's been fantastic. Lots of great guests, and of course, you, Raider Nation. Definitely appreciate all the feedback, both on the text line and the phone line. But a uh, shout out to Tim Brown, the Hall of Famer. Robert Carr, NFL sideline photographer, covering the Raiders since 2002. He actually uh, was chiming in from Hawaii, so shout out to him for that. Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders Radio Network. He joins us every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 o'clock. And then, of course, Vinnie Botson, New York, close things out. But again, Raider Nation, we appreciate all the efforts from you. Of course, we'll be back tomorrow to close out the show of the week really, really strong. I know that we'll have Kenny Shedd. Former Raider, uh, Kenny Shedd, will be on the show tomorrow. And uh, I think Cassie Soto will join us, and we'll have a whole lot more. Plus, I'll be live from uh, the Buffalo Wild Wings, 190 West Craig Road. Uh, Definitely come on out, check check us out. We'll have plenty of prizes for you. Coors Light hooks it up in a major way. So, 2-5, to Buffalo Wild Wings, 190 West Craig Road with Raider Nation Radio 920. Have a good evening.